Hi there. Uh, my name is Rick Clancy, and uh, this is uh, Dingo Talk. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is class of 1976, Rick Clancy. Mr. Clancy, thank you for joining us. Professor, former P Professor Emeritus Clancy, I think is how, isn't that how that works? Well, I don't think uh, they gave me the Emeritus title, but uh, I was very fortunate to kind of wind up my career at Bethany as a visiting professor. And I'm very grateful to have had that uh, opportunity to give back. Well, so that's how you ended your career. Interesting enough, we got to start, we got to find out how we got there. So sure. 1972, how do you find your way to Brook County, West Virginia? Well, people have asked me that before. I, I grew up in a, a suburb of, of New York City called Trevoke, New York. And um, I was a pretty, it was a pretty large high school. Mm -hmm. And I had sort of this feeling inside of me that I wanted to go to a college that was much smaller than the high school that I went to. And interestingly enough, to me anyway, as a New Yorker, West Virginia sounded very exotic <laughs> and it uh, sort of captured my imagination. Uh, I went to one of these high school fairs at a nearby school and Bethany was one of maybe five or so schools that I went around and, and talked to the folks at. And, uh, you know, they gave me a great pitch and I loved the photographs that they showed me. And I was very fortunate to get a, a small uh, scholarship and some loans. And I said to my folks, yeah, I think this is where I want to go. And, you know, the funny thing is, which I did not expect, like I said, I went to this high school in, in New York called Lakeland High School. There were literally four kids in my graduating class that went to Bethany College, <laughs> three of which, including myself, graduated. So I wasn't necessarily looking to hang around with kids from my high school, but uh, it, was, it was interesting that at that time anyway, uh, Bethany did a pretty good job of recruiting from the, uh, you know, New York metropolitan area, New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, and some of the surrounding states. Now, now why, I guess my first question would be why the need, why the feeling that you wanted a smaller school? Was it the, you, you liked the idea of the one-on-one -on -one attention and more focus or what was it? Well, this, the high school I went to maybe had close to 3,000 students. In fact, it was so big that for the first half of my senior year, we had uh, split sessions, morning and afternoon. And then the second half, a new high school was built and they split our class up to go to the other high school. So half of us stayed where we were, half went to this other school. So it was just really big. And um, I was a fair student, I probably like B, I guess. Uh, type average. And um, I just knew I wanted something that, you know, I could get a little more out of directionally, a little more personalization. Um, you know, I, at the time, I think like you've told me, I was interested in being a history major. Um, but I knew they had that, but plus this sort of area called communications, which I didn't quite understand at that time. But I thought it knew it had something to do with reporting or journalism. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. And um, yeah, it, it was just kind of a cool, exotic place. And, and frankly speaking, I wanted to get away from New York. I wanted to experience something new and different. Mm -hmm. This is about 17 years old, but to me, that was like, it was like almost going to China or Europe or something to go to West Virginia. And that's what I did. 
now give us a picture of you know the fall of 1972 in Bethany, West Virginia. For those that have been to Bethany recently, what are the differences? What are the similarities? I mean, I know I've heard that a lot. Uh, where there's some things that will never change. And there's a lot of, there's a couple of things that don't look the same. Yeah, well, certainly the, the climate and the terrain and the, uh, you know, the historic buildings and structures are pretty much the same. Although to some extent, some of them are, are facing some uh, deterioration issues these days. Mm -hmm. uh, but the campus in essence pretty much looks the same except maybe for those Campbell Mansion or, Cam uh, you know, the uh, residence halls out there by the field house. Those were not there when I uh, was a student. Uh, but otherwise, the structures are pretty much the same, though they're not used the same way as they were at that point in time. Um, but yeah, Bethany was a, a charming place. Uh, it was a small college. It's mm -hmm. actually a little smaller today than it was back then, I think, in those days. We had a thousand plus students, which still is pretty small. Yeah. Uh, and today, maybe it's five hundred or so, or whatever. So, you know, that's a change, and 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 I'm hopeful uh, with the new board of trustees and the new chair of the board, and just the new spirit that I see at Bethany College. That in fact, they're on their way to uh, uh, growing the enrollment, and of course, the retention, which is important. Now. Once you're so you're on campus, it's 1970, 1972. We go into 1970, spring of 1973. Um, social aspects was there any good concerts that you remember from your time at Bethany? Uh, yeah, there were a lot of good concerts, but actually, one of the social aspects that I did notice about Bethany, different from my high school in New York, was there were a lot of women or co eds with blonde hair, and uh, I found that very striking and, and appealing at the time. Uh, but to your question, concerts, yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of great concerts. Um, I'm trying to think. Barry Manilow was there. Uh, uh, Harry Chapin was there. The band, I think, was there at one point in time. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, there were so many. Blue Oyster Cult was there. Uh, yeah, that, there was really an excellent array of concerts. And oftentimes, they were bands that became famous maybe five or so years later, uh, maybe 10 in some cases, but mm -hmm. somehow, um, well, Darlene Nicholson was the uh, uh, staff name. member, the executive who kind of put that all together with support from some students and um, just did a fabulous job of lining up these bands that were kind of on the up and coming uh, trajectory. And it was, it was really marvelous. Not only that, in terms of social life, you know, there was a very active Greek life system with fraternities and sororities, and especially that first semester as a freshman, the fraternities in particular would have parties on Friday or Saturday night, and they'd all have live bands. It was, it was great. And sometimes more than one would happen on the same night. I was a KA Kappa Alpha, and I remember one time we, we had a house next door to the Sigma New House, and we both had a party on the same night. We both had bands and the bands alternated playing and people <laughs> went back and forth between the two houses. It was great. We had a great time. Well, and for those, for those that are younger, uh, probably my generation and, and up, for those of you that don't know, the, how, the, the, the garage looking building next to Sigma Nu that uh, my freshman year, I think was the last year that it was open 2010. Um, 
That was KA. Then there was Sigma Nu. And we're also talking about a time period where Alpha Sig was on Point Breeze. Right. Um, right. Delt and Phytaw had made their way to Greek Hill, correct? They were up yes. there. SAE's right. up there. It's a different Greek system. They it's were. not the system we have now. The betas were downtown, too. You know, I, I always uh, forget about them down in the corner over right. there. But the Ks and SIGs seem to have a really good relationship. In fact, I can remember several of the... Uh, what you call it pledge days or what have you mm -hmm. and uh you know we had that area between the houses and at least one time it was kind of rainy and muddy but we'd have like wrestling matches going on with us between the two houses out in the mud and um yeah we had we had a really good i thought relationship with sigma news so that was great now just just from your experience so you you were in greek life and we know greek life now um kind of has been it's, it's a deteriorating system across the country because of some of the aspects that go into that. Does it work better at a school like Bethany, that small school where it is kind of hard to get a lot of involvement otherwise, besides getting involved in Greek or student government or whatever that is? Is that kind of the system for Greek life now where those small schools are going to be more popular or, or where do you see that system? Well, it's interesting you bring that up. I, I do think Greek life is is important, especially for small colleges like Bethany College. But, you know, from my own experience, I sort of had this independent stream going on. So I, I, I was a KA, as I told you, mm -hmm. but I was also an RA, a resident advisor for two years. So I kind of was in and out, if you will, because of that, because when you were an RA, you lived with the freshmen in those days, I like could probably still today. Uh, but yeah, Greek life is important. And, and I think actually probably more important now for Bethany College, given that um, times have changed. I mean, mm -hmm. besides the fact that the school is smaller, in my day, um, you could drink alcohol at the age of 18. And frankly speaking, even at 17, nobody winked an eye. So there was that, and there, there were the bars in town. There started out, there were two bars in town. One was Frank's, which was then called Bubba's and then the Bison Inn or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then there was another one just across the street and down the road a little bit called the Wooden Keg. Um, next to the laundry which burned mat. down at some point. Sorry? Right? Right next to the laundromat. Wasn't there a laundromat? Yes, yes, and then yes, yes. Yep, 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 yep. Where yep. the faculty housing is now on Main Street. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So there were when I started, there were two bars in town. There was a gas station in town. Um, and there were almost twice as many students. So it was a little more lively and vibrant. And of course there was the Greek life, but the independents also had a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. so that said, I, I think given the way it is today uh, with fewer students, without as many uh, places students can go and hang out, uh, I think Greek life is even more important. So academically you 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 said you you were looking at history and there that communication thing was over there but we weren't we weren't sure about it what pushed you over the edge because you end up being uh, i believe the sports editor for or, or the yeah the sports director for wbbc i believe well i was the sports editor for the tower the, the uh, newspaper you know which bethany had in those days a printed newspaper in fact i was I followed Dave Sims, so I know you've interviewed before. Dave was also a KA. So after Dave was the sports editor, the baton passed to me, and then I passed it to another KA. But in any event, uh, 
Well, really two things. On the one hand, I, I and I still like American history and I've got books about founding fathers and America, all sorts of, of things related to the US. In fact, and I just read about Eleanor Roosevelt. I love biographies, um, Robert E. Lee, uh, Ulysses S. Grant, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, a, you know, Alexander yeah. Hamilton, the list goes on and on. But in any event, I liked history a lot and still do. Although to tell you the truth, when I took history classes at Bethany, it was one of the rare instances where I liked reading the textbook better than I liked sitting in class and listening to the professor. Now, I, I don't want to begrudge anyone, but I just didn't think the professors were all that stimulating and I like the books better than the classes. Yeah. That said, I also kind of had this thing in the back of my head that maybe I'd like to be a journalist. I thought I was a halfway decent writer. Uh, I liked the opportunity to learn about broadcasting, radio, and TV. These were days before social media, of course. And uh, the more I got into it, the more I thought, you know, this probably makes more sense for me. I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some terrific internship opportunities. There was a very tough uh, chairman of the department in those days, uh, Jim Carty. Uh, but that said, once you got past like that freshman and sophomore year, if you hung in there, Jim became your best advocate. And um, he helped me get some wonderful internships, including one at uh, J. Walter Thompson, the advertising agency in New York City. And frankly speaking, that's where I started my career after graduating from Bethany. So, uh, you know, I kind of got that bug and then it was really a choice between, well, do I go more into the journalistic side of communications, whether it's broadcasting or print or what have you, mm -hmm. or more into the marketing you know the advertising and public relations uh, end of it which is ultimately what i what i chose but i probably could have gone either way and what pushed you that way well i i think what pushed me that way was the opportunity to influence an organization's behavior and i think being in public relations which is where i ended up in corporate communications besides the communications part of it externally as you grow and advance in your career, you indeed have an opportunity to influence not only what an organization has to say and communicate, but also what does it do and how does it behave. And that kind of got me going more so, I guess, than being a journalist reporting on what others were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that was the distinction for me. Well, it's funny you bring up that word because we're at that point where we got to talk about that dang test that connects all of us Bethany alums. It's a it's a test that I think people right around the, the January area and then right around May start people start seeing blue books in their dreams uh, comps. So yeah. what was because if I'm not mistaken, comps for you were, you know, you did the written, you did the orals. But you didn't walk out of orals and know that you passed comps, right? You had to wait for the registrar to send you a letter that said you you passed or you didn't get the letter, correct? You know, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> uh, I know I passed because I did graduate. Uh, <laughs> but the, the thing about comps, it, it proved very valuable because after I graduated or even while I graduated, I went through a number of situations in my early days of my career and even later days in my career where I had to do, you know, exercises to get like, for example, the, uh, the APR distinction for public relations, accredited public relations, 
you have to take a full day written exam and you have to go through an oral exam with three distinguished professionals. Sounds familiar. And it was very much like the comp experience I had at Bethany. So it really prepared me well for that. And then later, toward the latter part of my career, when I transitioned into academia as a professor, I came here to UNC, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And I found myself being interviewed at the same time by like half a dozen faculty members. So there were some experiences with the comps that were very valuable, not just at the moment, but going through life and my career that I, now, I greatly appreciate. Now, is that something that gets lost when you're, you know, you're in that moment or because I'm, I'm sure as a trustee, you heard it a bunch. Let's maybe we need to get rid of comps or, or whatever. But does the as somebody that went through it, you you have that experience where, well, no, comps, yeah, they, they make sure that we can validate that you knew what you learned something here to earn this degree. But when you're going to go into the real world, that's what you're going to deal with is that type of interview style, that type of, it's not a one-on-one, it's normally two or three people that want to talk to you. Yes. And so, and is that the benefit that comes with the comprehensive exam? Well, it was certainly a benefit for me. As I just pointed out, I, I, and I didn't appreciate it as much at the time, No, but as I moved on in my, my, my career and my life, I, I definitely valued that experience. Uh, one of the funny things I, I remember about comps was in the orals. Of course, I had two professors from the communications department, but one was from political science slash history. And uh, his name was Dr. Lozier. And we got into that comp oral discussion, which I really ended up enjoying because it was more of a conversation, if you will. Mm-hmm. But Avon, he said to me, gee, I thought you were a political science major. I said, no, no, I'm a communications major. So, but, but I did at Bethany take some political science and history courses, as I told you, I like that, mm-hmm. uh, that area. So that, that stood out for me. Of course, now I'm, I'm excited to see what they do today where the students come out of comps and they know they learn whether they passed or maybe even passed with distinction. And then they have fellow students and even family members there to greet them and celebrate, which I think is a great new uh, tradition at Bethany College. And it's a very unique situation because, you know, that build up to everybody be, I've been on both sides and you know, I, I came through the door and, and, and got the congratulations thing, but I was also on the, on the side of, waiting for people to come out. I think we were just as nervous mm-hmm. on the outside waiting for someone to come out as the person on the inside that's actually going to pass the test. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we didn't have that then. And I guess to your original question, I guess that must then say, yeah, we didn't really know whether we passed or failed for some days afterwards. Um, just probably went back to the K house or up to the, the bar and had a few beers just to be relieved that it was over, frankly. <laughs> Well, so when you, you walk across the stage, you said you had a, uh, you already, that your future job was an internship that you, you had uh, received or, or worked with uh, at your time. How do you end up back at, and, and uh, it's JWT, correct? What's the, the you? Yeah, J, well, yeah, it's one of the old line famous ad agencies, JWT or J. Walter Thompson. Today it's merged with another company, so it has a somewhat different name. I think it's Wonderman JWT or something like that. But in any event, I, I had the opportunity, thanks to Jim Carty and the alum who worked at JWT at the time, to be part of a small group of three folks who um, interned as, as copywriters, advertising copywriters there in their New York 
uh, office. And I, I did that during, they used to have January term, which I thought was a great thing, by the way, because uh, you could do an internship or get a part-time job even for a whole month before going back to college, Yep, February. The downside was maybe the second semester extended a little bit longer than it does today, but I thought January term was terrific and mm -hmm. I vote for bringing it back, but nevertheless. I agree. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I did one January. And uh, unfortunately though, my appendix burst during the course of that internship. So I didn't complete it. Uh, although Mr. Carty gave me credit for it nevertheless, but, uh, but it was a good experience and it was something that I used to uh, get a, um, a position at J. Walter Thompson as a trainee in the public relations department upon graduating from Bethany. So I'm sure it had a lot to do with my, my opportunity to, to, do, to do that. And, and then over, of course, my career, I focused more on public, the public relations side than the advertising side. Uh, but yeah, that was great. I went to this tiny little college in West Virginia and here I got a cool internship at this massive, famous ad agency in New York City. It was great. Well, and then from, from there, you know, you're there, I believe if I read your, the LinkedIn resume correct, you're there for about three years, three and a half years, roughly. You move on from there and then the, the next move on. And I guess the, what would be the big, and not that, not that any of those were small, any of your jobs were small, but the big move on the PR side would have had to be Sony, correct? Well, ultimately, yeah. So I, I spent probably nine or 10 years altogether, maybe a little longer, 12 in JWT. And then also another PR firm called Creamer Dixon Bassford, which has another name these days. But I spent a lot of time on the agency side rose to a senior vice president level. Most of it was in New York, but my last position was uh, heading up an office actually in Pittsburgh for this agency. Oh. Um, and then I also worked on Wall Street in New York for investment companies uh, who are no longer with us, but were infamous in their day, E.F. Hutton and uh, Drexel Burnham Lambert. But from there, I did go to Sony. And Sony is where I spent the largest amount of my career, uh, almost 20 years. Um, and ultimately at Sony heading the uh, U.S. electronics business for, for Sony Corporation. Um, it's public relations and corporate communications. So did that uh, both based on the East Coast in New Jersey and then on the West Coast in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, moved on to uh, a startup company called Cavario, um, which well, was, I was going to say right in, right before there, am I right that I saw a, a Michigan, there's a Michigan alum for you as well uh, through, through Sony, correct? Yes. Yeah. While I was at Sony, I was uh, selected to participate in this uh, executive education program or management program mm -hmm. at the University of Michigan. Yeah, that was great. That was great. You talked a little bit about the uh, uh, accredited public relations. How did that come about? Well, um, I think it is still the case today, but you had to be in the profession for five years. Okay. Uh, also, you had to be a member of the Public Relations Society of America, which is the largest professional organization for PR folks. And then you basically signed up to say, yes, I'd like to take this exam with the goal of becoming an accredited public relations professional, which is like a certification, if you will, that distinguishes you in, in the field. Um, 
and you know, you have to study for it and mm-hmm. uh, what have you. And, and I did, and then I was fortunate enough to, to do that and get that accreditation. Actually, I think within five years, it was one of the first things I strove to do upon hitting that five-year mark in my uh, career. And I'd recommend it for anybody who's in the field of, of public relations. And then from Sony, we go to your the startup. Now, I just wanted to make sure we covered all Oh, our- yeah. <laughs> well, that's when I was in California. And of course, California is big into tech and into startups and into media. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, yeah, it was a good experience to go from a large global corporation to essentially a startup and uh, be on the ground floor of something that uh, was basically, it was in the digital marketing um search engine marketing in that space, if you will. And um, I headed PR for that uh, relatively small company, especially compared to Sony. Um, but we, we, we did, a, I think, a pretty good job to the point where the firm was acquired, which is what the goal was of the founders and the board, so that essentially they could cash out and mm-hmm. receive huge uh, payoffs for basically you know, selling their firm. And in my role, I was fortunate that I also had some stock participation and, and was compensated well as a result of that, act, of that activity. So that by then, I guess I was about 60 years old. And that's then when I made the transition uh, to academia. Of all so things. that's the pivot to becoming a professor and being more on the academic side of things. Yeah, yeah, that was sort of an interesting thing because um, so I'd done that. I'd worked for agencies. I worked for a huge multinational corporation. I worked for a startup. So now what am I going to do at 60? I felt like I was too young to retire. I wasn't really ready to do that. And my brother, Ed, works for worked. He's now retired, but he worked for a big insurance company and their communications director shared a, uh, a posting for the University of North Carolina that was looking for what they called a professor of the practice uh, to join their faculty mm-hmm. and teach public relations and related classes. And I kind of on a flyer sent in my resume and background information. And lo and behold, one day I was going into a doctor's office and I had a call from one of the associate deans who said, you know, we looked at your information. We'd like you to come visit us in Chapel Hill and, and talk with you. And frankly, you know, I wasn't counting on it because I don't have a master's degree. I don't have a higher uh, degree. I have a, obviously a bachelor's degree from Bethany. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't counting on it, but I said, gee, this would be really cool if, if they're serious. And uh, turns out they, they asked me to join them. And I really did enjoy serving in that role for three and a half years. Uh, and then why the choice? You know, I asked, I've had a, a couple former Uh, or alumni who then became teachers, obviously, Ken Morgan, Gary Kappel. Um, Why the choice to come back to Brooke County, West Virginia? I mean, obviously, you you, you did it in a twofold, too, because you're a you become faculty, you're a board of trustee member. I mean, you're really giving back on both angles. Why that? uh, Why? Why Bethany? Why come back to it? Yeah, well, goes without saying I love Bethany and I, I like you said I was a trustee for about 11 years oh beginning in my time at Sony and through the time I was with Covario and even into my time at UNC as a, a professor here in Chapel Hill um, so that was all happening 
Uh, my position in UNC was on a contract. So it had a certain term, mm -hmm. three years. I, we extended it to three and a half. And even at that point, I guess in my office at UNC, among other things, I had a, a pennant on the wall, Bethany College. I was looking at that one day and I thought, gee, you know, it'd be really cool to go full circle and uh, come back to Bethany and, and, and perhaps serve as a visiting professor. So I reached out both to Emmy Gamble, who was the chair of the communications department at the time, as well as to Tamara Rodenberg, the president, who she was also the president of Bethany then, and just said, look, if you're interested, I'd love to come back to Bethany College and kind of finish my career uh, there as a visiting professor in the uh, communications and media arts department. And uh, it ended up working out that way that they accommodated that. And I'm very grateful that they did. And I, 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 Love my experience uh, mm -hmm. teaching here at UNC in Chapel Hill, but I also enjoyed immensely my experience at Bethany again uh, as a visiting professor. So let me ask you this. Um, you've been, you've kind of had a resurgence in the alumni world for the, the town halls and whatnot. You've, you've, uh, you were the moderator for two of them, I believe. One well, I think I, I host, I hosted what might've been the first one with uh, Ken Beto, the yes. uh, chair of the board of trustees. And I'm, I appreciate Ken for agreeing to do that. It, it was one of the first things I did after retiring and, and seeing what was happening. And, and I just reached out to Ken and said, you know, Ken, I think there needs to be some communication at this stage and it should come from you because uh, Dr. Rodenberg had retired mm -hmm. and uh, there was a new interim president who's, who's still there, of course. Uh, but there were a lot of questions and concerns that were being expressed in social media. And, and it just occurred to me that I think Ken is the, uh, the chair of the board of trustees should communicate and answer questions and deal with some of the issues that people were concerned about. So he agreed. And so did uh, the alumni council. And uh, so that kind of started it off. And of course, they've continued, which is I'm glad to see. Well, and I think that's, I, I think, uh, and speaking from, from my side of the alumni base, I, I'm not going to speak for, for the older, older generations. I think that's really all everybody wanted at this point is just, you know, you got to tell us what's going on so yeah. that we can get the ball rolling in the right direction. Um, and yeah, there's blame to be placed wherever you want to blame it, but we, we could sit and blame and, and not do anything. Or as long as we're in this, in this com constant communication, there seems to be uh, at least hope now and a progression towards a goal and not just kind of spinning the wheel in the mud, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And my sense is that the current leadership of the college, both the administration as well as the trustees are very, um, they've kind of gotten religion. They're open to the idea of being more communicative and also sharing the challenges, mm -hmm. the opportunities, and uh, what they're up against, where where alums can help. Uh, so I think you're right. I, I I think you know people are hungry. Alumni are hungry for feedback to say, okay, we're concerned. What what can we do to help? Just just talk to us. Let us know. Let's let's put something together. And then lastly, because you are you are a PR guy. A, a, an accredited PR guy. If you were, 
if you were going to give a pitch, uh, why Bethany to a current college student, or maybe you're not talking to the student, you're talking to the parents. Why Bethany College today? Yeah. And hey, this is easy for me because not only did I meet my wife at Bethany, she's also a grad, Mary. Uh, my daughter went to Bethany, Jenna, and she graduated in 2015. And I was giving the pitch to her. And uh, part of it was, look, Jenna, you can go to this tiny little college in West Virginia, but you can see the world from Bethany. And she did. She went to China. She went to Germany. She went to Mexico. She went to Great Britain. She went to Italy. She went to Spain. She went to Puerto Rico. All during the time she was at Bethany College. She also majored in, in communications. But that said, she ended up then going from there to get a master's degree at UNC in uh, Greensboro in, in higher ed. And now she works at Virginia Commonwealth University. But she had a wonderful experience. She made some great friends. She learned a lot, not just in her major, but in other areas mm -hmm. like art. She spent some time with uh, Ken Morgan, who the former uh, head of the art department. I mean, she had she spent time with uh, uh, Anju Ramji, the head of the business department, who's now the provost. I mean, she she got inputs and learnings from all sorts of different people beyond her major, and she made wonderful friends that she continues to have today. Uh, she felt comfortable. She felt safe. She traveled the world. Um, she learned a lot, um, and she's become just a. a lovely young young woman and and I think that could be true for almost anybody who went to Bethany College I think that's that's perfectly said I mean Bethany really gives you the chance to be you and find you kind of thing well yeah and, and look at the opportunities you know people can come right in maybe like yourself they can start broadcasting baseball games and football games they can do production they can do uh, internships mm -hmm. um, they can explore different areas that maybe they didn't know they even had an interest in. For example, I explored fields like psychology, uh, uh, English literature, um, and I, I actually enjoyed them a lot in addition to the history and the communications and uh, what have you. Um, and, the, and then the social life was great too. And I, and I hope that continues. I, I think that's a little bit of a challenge now, just given the the realities of, of the school and this, the size and, and what have you. Um, but uh, I think it, it's a fine college and, and I'm glad to see the renewed emphasis on um, recruiting students who are perhaps more uh, academically minded mm -hmm. uh, these days. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, I obviously I, I taught there for a few couple of years and I had some terrific students and they, a couple of them, some of them were, quite competitive with the students I had at UNC in Chapel Hill. So, um, yeah, I, I think the world of Bethany. Well, and I think that's a perfect place to, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your day, joining us from, and I'm going to make sure Frankie Ta hears me clearly, the, the actual school in North Carolina and not that school down the road. Um, that's right. That's right. Uh, this has been Rick Clancy, class of 1976. I'm Carlo Guadagnino. This has been the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Wisdom, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. The only place you have to look or type something differently is Instagram. You need to put an underscore between 
dingo and talk. If not, you're going to get a bunch of pictures of wild dogs. It's not me. I don't do that in my free time. Um, but we're here every Thursday, 10 a.m. Uh, on YouTube. It goes out the night before on Spotify at 12 midnight. So we'll catch you next week, Chuckleheads. Again, I am Carla Guadalino, Rick Clancy, class of 1976 from Bethany College, and we'll see you next week.